Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. The dictionary defines a disability as a physical or mental condition that limits a person's movements, senses or activities. Well, as an amputee, Stephen Wilson believes his disability is his strength. At the age of 13, Stephen was run over by a truck. Doctors were forced to amputate his right leg just below the knee. It wasn't until this accident that he became serious about sport and also, more significantly, Christian faith. At the age of 25, Stephen started training in athletics and just one year later, he represented Australia in Germany. He then won two gold medals at the 2000 Paralympic Games in Sydney, silver and bronze in Athens and bronze in Beijing in 2008. He is now the principal and a PE teacher at Dolby Christian School in Queensland. It's a truly inspiring story. Stephen Wilson, thanks for joining us on Open House. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Great to have you with us. Stephen, what was life like before you became an amputee? I had a fantastic childhood growing up in uh, Sydney suburbs. I loved sport and uh, was very active. And so life for me was carefree. I was brought up in a Christian home and so had a great family and uh, everything was just uh, going well. Having said that, I was probably uh, taking a lot for granted in life and possibly wasn't recognising certain aspects of life. Life was all about me. Then came that day at the age of 13 with the accident. Take us to that moment, Stephen. Yeah, so I was going to uh, a GPS school in Sydney. It was my first year. I was in the school athletics team. It was two days before the GPS All Schools Carnival. And I was just finishing up a training session, last training session, and was on my way home from the school. And to get home, I used to catch a train. And so uh, outside of my school was a a big four-lane highway, which we crossed at a a set of lights. And I was a bit late on this particular day. And so the lights had actually um, were red for the traffic. And I wasn't quite at the crossing. And the little green man had stopped and the little uh, red man had started flashing, warning that it was nearly going to change again. And I made one of those split-second decisions to to cross the road uh, about 30 metres down from that crossing knowing that if I missed that set of lights, I'd probably miss my train. And I just took one step out in the road and uh, was hit by a truck, which was slowing down for that set of lights. It knocked me to the ground and ran over my foot, and all of a sudden my life changed. Describe to me that moment when you're lying down on the ground. Well, initially I, I didn't know I'd even been uh, knocked over by a truck. I thought uh, I must have been uh, hit by a, an older boy from behind. And I went to get up. I couldn't. And I remember looking and seeing a leather school shoe uh, next to me torn in two, just sitting by itself, but it was torn in two. And and then I saw what looked like a rubber toe. (laughs) I didn't connect them as being mine until I looked down at my foot and it was a mess. Yeah, all of a sudden, I mean, shock sets in and uh, you can't believe it. Like, I'd, I'd been fairly accident prone and my father was a doctor. And so I was used to going and getting stitches and broken bones fixed up and you walk away. And I remember waking up later that night in hospital after I'd had an operation. Still, I think, with the idea that uh, here was another accident. Yes, it was more serious, but I don't think I'd, I'd ever thought about the idea of a permanent disability. And it was uh, only when uh, I was told that I'd lost my foot and actually looked under the bed sheets to see that part of my body was missing, all of a sudden the permanency of that uh, hits you and it's... Uh, 
it's a very strange feeling to see something that's just gone and you know that it's not coming back and there is no fix. It's very much like something dies. I just remember uh, just feeling like my life was going to change forever. And I, I think so much of who I was, my identity, was wrapped up in my capacity to do sport and that died at that moment. I was suddenly thrown into the category of a disabled person. So for a 13-year-old boy who uh, finds a lot of uh, his identity wrapped up in, in his physical capabilities, I, I wondered who I was. Your dad's a doctor. You mm. say you're in a Christian home. How did your parents cope with this? What did they say to you about it? Well, I mean, initially, uh, after I woke up, my mum and dad didn't want to tell me what happened. They wanted me to have a good night's sleep, which wasn't going to happen. And so I finally got it out of them. Dad's relatively uh, calm kind of person. He's used to dealing with these kind of things. But, yeah, I mean, it, it shook the family. Um, there were some interesting things uh, behind the scenes, both for myself personally and also with my family. I was, I guess, being full of zest. I was really starting to run off the rails a bit. I know before my accident, one incident at home where I was, I was really out of line and my mum uh, really prayed for me that the Lord would really... Uh, take a hold of my life. This was about a week before my accident. Wow. My mum, uh, reflecting on that time, looks back and really sees the accident as being something as God's plan for my life. But uh, even myself personally, the week before the accident, put my faith in the Lord about six months prior to the accident. Whilst I was saved, if you like, there was lots of areas in my life which uh, needed God to be working in. And uh, I was due to run in a carnival on, on a Sunday prior to the, the big carnival and my parents said, look, Sunday sports not on, um, you know, church is a priority for us as a family and so you won't be going. And I remember uh, even then I was embarrassed about that. I was embarrassed to have to tell uh, my teachers and my peers that I was going to church instead of running. And I remember praying to God and saying, Lord, please never let me be embarrassed by this again. And I, I still remember reflecting on that in hospital, that in a funny way God answered my prayer and that uh, it was never going to be an issue, at least in school. Again, I wasn't going to get selected for an athletics team. I think uh, I look back and see that God was uh, in different ways shaping me and I guess steering me in the right direction. Sometimes for different people, it takes a bit to get our attention. There's so many levels of timing that are involved in your story, and yet it would seem to many to be a bizarre answer to your mother's prayer, mm. and many would be angry at that answer. How did you respond? A lot of people, whenever I've talked about this, you know, in Christian uh, settings, will say, were you angry at God? I mean, I only really started talking about it when I got into athletics, you know, some 15, 20 years later, and, and my response has um, been absolutely not. I think all things work together for good to those that love him. My experience with having an artificial leg has really been a positive one. Yes, there's some negative things about it, but by and large, I've had some great opportunities. So I really do believe that, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that God chastens those that he loves and disciplines us. And um, I, I can't categorically say uh, what God's plan was in it. I can reflect on it and think uh, there were some uh, strange uh, happenings around that time which uh, lead me to believe that God very much had a hand in it but I essentially trust God in good times and bad times and I can only give thanks for how God has uh, shaped my life. And in a strange kind of way, this really led you to become much more serious about your faith. Yeah, I think it was something which created a big stop. I, I guess a lot of that young arrogance and pride caught up in my capabilities as a, a sports person, if you like. I was humbled 
I was all, all of a sudden uh, disabled and I even reflect going back to school and everybody was just so nice to me and all the teachers were just so nice and supportive and uh, I definitely changed personality. I think my confidence was down but I think I started thinking about more than just myself from that time and it, you know, it was a slow process but uh, I think that was the catalyst of getting a bit more serious about life. That's the other amazing thing. It's not until then that you actually become very competitive about sport that's after the accident prior to the accident i was very competitive i uh, loved sport after the accident uh, it was about really exploring what i could and couldn't do and when i finally got a leg made you know probably three months after the accident i realized i could run i just thought that was fantastic i was just uh, i thought well fantastic maybe i can't compete at a high level but i can certainly enjoy playing sport and uh, I remember at a school level I still played uh, sport at a fairly high level obviously I wasn't a dominating force in athletics but you know I was an average runner even with a an old wooden leg but I really didn't get serious about athletics as such until I was about 25. I think I saw an ad in the paper for the 1996 Atlanta Paralympic trials which were held in Sydney and I thought I'm going to go and see what these disabled people do and so I remember taking a video camera along thinking I might catch sight of another amputee and I'd never interacted at all with another amputee so I didn't know what their capacities were so I remember filming that and seeing them run and thinking you know what I reckon I could uh, compete with these guys who are heading off to Atlanta and so it was after that early 1997 I went to my prosthetist and said look I want you to uh, make me a, a running league and he said well you show me how you can run, and if I think you're, uh, you're worth me investing time in, uh, then I'll make you a leg. And we went out to the track. I ran 100 metres, I think, in 13.4 seconds or something with uh, wow. a dodgy old leg. Uh, <laughs> That's re- really just a, a wooden wooden leg, and he said, right, yeah. we'll make you a leg. <laughs> you're on. <laughs> yep. And, uh, That's so so it, was only, it was only about six months after that that I, uh, I was selected for my first international team. We went to Germany and I ran 11.7 seconds and came second. And silver medal at Atlanta ran uh, 11.9. So my time in six months, I'd really run a time which would have got me a silver medal at, at the Atlanta Games. And the thing is, you weren't a young bloke by this time. I was, I was about 26, I think, at the time. So that started my journey to the Sydney Games and on. You must have been a very determined bloke in that. What fired that to achieve to the level that you did? Hard to say. I don't know that I would have taken to sport as seriously if it hadn't involved my leg. I think there was part of me wanting to say, hey, I'm okay, I can do this, I'm not disabled. You know, obviously running with an amputated leg is very much uh, saying, here's what I can do with my disability. It wasn't like I was playing table tennis or something that that the disability have had very little uh, effect on. So I think that drove me. I think, obviously, being able to represent your country and mix it with the best in the world, it's motivating. I guess I never set out to say, hey, I want to uh, one day be a world champion. One step leads to another, and uh, you get more motivated as you achieve more goals, and the journey continues. Can you take me into another moment, that first race in the 2000 Paralympic Games in Sydney, in Australia. What was that moment like? Probably a 400-metre heat, and I won it fairly easily in a Paralympic record time. 
it was essentially fairly positive. I was fairly confident in, in going through anyway, so there wasn't a lot of nerves there. So that was good in front of friends and family. Then came gold. Gold came in, in two relays, in the 4x100 metre relay and the 4x400 metre relay. The 4x100 metre gold was in the morning and uh, that was a great feeling. But um, in my 400 final individual, I, I came fourth and uh, ran two seconds slower than my best and uh, was pretty disappointed. So Sydney experience, yeah, was full of highs. It was an extremely uh, intense time because it was the home games, lots of family and friends around. But the competition itself, there was some great thrills and then some great disappointments. So, yeah, it was a roller coaster. Did you pray about your performance? I guess I, I did to a certain extent. I never felt that I could ever pray for success. I prayed that I might have more in the preparation, discipline and courage. And even uh, the journey as a Christian through that period was really about, well, what on earth is an athlete doing here running up and down a track? Surely there's more important things to do in life. How do I actually glorify God in this? How is this useful other than being a bit of an ego trip? Particularly in those first three years, it was trying to get my head around how Christians should interact in the world of sport and whether it's a valid uh, thing to be sinking a lot of time and effort into. Because you need a lot of strength to do what you've done, not just physically. I think an athlete's life is sometimes not understood as much as from the outside. We watch sports people on TV and it, it looks lots of fun and you're in the limelight, etc. But I guess the tough times are in the middle of the winter when it's raining and you've got a session to do and you'd rather be sitting at home on the couch. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of persistence and, and discipline and, and pushing through pain and, and really hurting yourself. There's all, all that side of it. And yes, you've got to be very determined and persistent in that. I wouldn't be surprised if there are not quite significant conversations you have with your fellow Paralympians. My uh, position as a Christian on the team was, was pretty clear from the word go and uh, people knew that, uh, well initially I didn't run on, on Sundays, I certainly didn't train and in competitions I didn't uh, run on Sundays either. I did make some uh, exceptions to that rule when it came to the Olympics. From time to time different people would want to talk to you about that and I, I had a number of good conversations. One was just very point blank, I remember we were at a camp at the AIS and it was a bit of a downtime, and, and one of the other competitors gave me a call and said, hey, come over, I want to talk to you about your face. And uh, I thought, well, there's, there's no greater open door than that. And so just those opportunities came up from time to time where you just got to uh, share the gospel and what it means to you as a person. If you were able to talk back into the head of that young boy at 13, laying in that bed, pulling the sheet back, and finding that his leg had been amputated. What would you now say to him? Interestingly, there was a visitor who came and visited me, and, and he's really been the voice in my head. Uh, he was a, a missionary. He used to be a missionary in India, principal of a uh, Christian home for boys. He was about 70 at the time, and he was probably the person I rated as the most boring visitor that I had. <laughs> he, uh, everybody was bringing me chocolates and... and uh, and games and so on. He came in and he brought me a cross stitch that his wife had knitted. <laughs> and uh, the interesting thing is that everybody would come into hospital and say, oh, look, so sorry about your accidents. You know, so sorry about your accident, your accident, your accident. And he came and said, Stephen, what's happened to you isn't an accident. It's part of God's plan for your life. The cross stitch he gave me was um, 
God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Interestingly, I've still got that cross stitch um, some 30 years on. Yeah. And um, and all, all the other things, you know, the chocolates and the games. I even was given a computer, a VIC-20, uh, by, my, uh, <laughs> by my school. All those things have passed, but his words continue to ring in my ear that it wasn't an accident, but it's part of God's plan for your life. And so he gave me hope right from the word go, even though at the time I probably didn't appreciate it. But I find it interesting that, that I still remember him so vividly, and I can't remember much else about that hospital. And yet at the time, hearing those words, it wasn't significant. So I really believe that um, you know God sends people into your life at different times, and sometimes you're not even ready to hear it, but his word is saying in your heart, and it's something that grows into life. I said at the top, it's a truly inspirational story, and I'm so glad that you've shared it with us on Open House. Stephen Wilson, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.